Welcome to the KDB Review Podcast. This is episode 28, and I am Taylor's Media Managing Editor, Andy Davis. Now, since the coronavirus lockdown began, or as most right-minded people now know it at the time when this podcast began, I've been up in my loft in South London putting the world to rights. Well, it turns out that the world was listening. I've had a look today at where we've had downloads of this podcast, and so before we get started with our guests, I'd like to say hello to some of our international listeners. So... A big shout out to everyone in Chile, Bosnia and Herzegovina, San Marino, Nigeria, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Zambia, Latvia, Bahrain, Qatar, Kuwait, Iran, Mexico, Peru, Brazil, Romania, Bulgaria, Egypt, Oman, Saudi Arabia, Gibraltar, Malaysia, Finland, Malta, Vietnam, Slovenia, South Africa, Turkey, Portugal, Poland, Chechnya, Guernsey, Israel, the UAE, Denmark, Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand, Cyprus, Slovakia, Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, Greece, China, Austria, Belgium, Switzerland, Italy, the Netherlands, Jersey, Japan, South Korea, Canada, Spain, Ireland, France, Germany, the USA, and of course, the Isle of Man. Hello to you all from my loft. I am so glad you can join us. Who would have thought that the trials and tribulations of independent retail in our little nation could spread so far that the sun never sets on the KBB Review podcast? I would love to hear from you wherever you are in the world and find out what the kitchen and bathroom market is looking like wherever you are. So email me at andrewdavis at taylorsmedia.com and that address is in the episode description. Although I should put it a little bit in perspective, 82% of all of our downloads are in the UK, so we're not quite the BBC World Service just yet. Although, fact fans... The second highest country is the US of A. So hello to all of our American friends. Right, enough of this. Get on with it, Davis. First up on the show today, we're talking websites, social media and digital marketing, and in particular, what the next steps are if the lockdown has started you on that journey for the first time. I'll be talking to Chris Lunn for marketing agency Digity. Then we're chatting to someone brave enough to launch a big new range into the market at this time, and that's Bodhi Kile at Euromobile and his new venture, Villoyenbock Kitchens. But first... Tailist Media, shameless plug time, of course, and it's very, very simple today. Our print magazines are back. Our September issue of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms is on sale at the start of August. KBB Review will be back with a full issue at the start of September, as will Studio Magazine. I'm so excited that we're rolling the presses again and I can't wait for you all to see them. Kitchens, bedrooms and bathrooms has already been signed off in fact, but if you're a supplier and you want to make sure retailers know that you're open for business too, then you need to be in KBB Review. And likewise, if you want to talk to premium interior designers and architects, you need to be in studio. Pages are very limited of course, so get in touch and we'll do everything we can to help. The links are in the episode description. Now, lots of the smaller independent retailers in this market have either suddenly had to work out how digital marketing and social media work in a business capacity or have certainly accelerated their plans for it. But how do you know if it's actually working and what are the next steps to continue that journey? So joining me to talk about all that is Chris Lund, who is the founder of marketing agency Diggity. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hi, Andy. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, we're up in the loft, of course, as always, trying to put the world to rights. Where are you based, Chris? Right now I'm in the office, which is based in Wokingham, in Berkshire. It's that hotbed of digital expertise that is Berkshire. It is. Uh, the Silicon Valleys. That's it. So for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about your company, who you are, and what you do. Fill us in on the background. Sure. So Digity support lots of different independent businesses with their digital marketing, and in a lot of cases, their overall marketing activities. So we help 
clients to actually put a plan in place, work on actually establishing a, a true budget for often thinking about like the year ahead. So rather than the kind of weeks and months ahead and being too reactive to last minute advertising, actually setting a, a proper plan in place, setting goals and objectives, and then putting that out into the market and looking at everything from social media, to search engine performance, website design is a key area for us where we spend a lot of time and effort for clients to really get that right. And then it's looking at traffic and, and email and CRM systems to, to manage and develop leads into, into sales essentially. So a lot of the stuff you're talking about there, I guess, are phrases and terms that a lot of people, not all obviously, and I'm not painting everyone with the same brush, but a lot of the smaller independent retailers that we talk to will have, have learned about a lot of those terms, if not for the first time, but they'll certainly have got into the detail of it over the last few months. Have you just been inundated with people trying to work out what the hell they're going to do with their websites and social media and that kind of thing? We have, yeah. I mean, it's been absolutely sort of frantic for a few months of obviously the existing client base, you know, first and foremost, that needed support really just to get key messages out. So if they had showrooms that were now basically shut, you know, what they were doing about the online offering in terms of might be like Zoom call consultations in place of the traditional, you know, meet and greet scenario. So it's a case of updating websites, sending out email campaigns, updating social media, trying to make everything look as, you know, inspiring and interesting and, and think about campaigns to, to still get all these millions of people that were now sat in front of their computers, you know, working from home to be inspired and interested enough to, to get in touch. So it's been, yeah, full on really and obviously lots of other business owners as well that are, like you say, going through that motion of looking at what they've got and are they really equipped to compete online and, and probably realising that maybe they've been a bit behind the times and really need to speed speed up that, that process and journey kind of with immediate effects. So it's been, yeah, it's been busy. We expect it to be, you know, continue to be busy for a good while to come. And um, I think it's lots of good, yeah, good opportunity for companies to improve in general, which will stand them in good stead for years to come as well. So we see a lot of long-term upsides albeit sort of short-term disruption and uh, and kind of pressure really at the moment. Have you been seeing a lot of people come in saying, look, we've been meaning to get around to doing this for ages? Yeah. Is, it, is it those kind of conversations? Yeah, lots of that. We've realised how, how kind of reliant they've been more on, on word of mouth and yeah, different kind of routes that's bought sales in that now don't exist. So if they've had, I don't know, it might be like high street locations, for example, where they've relied on footfall, it obviously isn't there anymore and just maybe been a little bit complacent about the online space. And now realising just where they need to be for their their audience right now. And also people that have just really neglected kind of keeping their website up to date and fresh or their social media presence in that way or or actually sending out emails to all their their database of contacts. It's just maybe just have let things slide a little bit and now realised actually there's a good chance where they've got some time to think about, you know, which might be just as simple as the photos, the portfolio, kind of your gallery scenario on their website is it up to date and relevant and really is it going to attract the sort of customers that, that they really you know would like to help rebuild the business and, and kind of you know move on into a new phase and use it as a chance to to really stand out and compete harder a lot of the retailers i've spoken to over the lockdown not just the ones on the podcast but lots of others they've all said the same thing to me which is yeah we're going to do loads of social media Okay, that's yeah. how we're going to keep ourselves out there the showroom's shut but we're still working remotely we're going to do the social media there seems to be not really a plan to it or they just think that as long as they post lots of stuff then that is what doing social media is but i guess the next stage of it is is how do you turn that into an actual marketing plan or include it in a marketing plan and actually get results from it where do you start how do you transition from one to the other yeah so i mean that is a bit of a go-to place for lots of people right now because 
in theory it's it's free you can obviously go online you can you can put your posts up and it's really is you know it's kind of the, the true cost is is the time but what a lot of people fail to do is actually like they should do with every marketing plan it's, it's to set objectives for it like what do they really expect to achieve from it and if they've got a good audience or a really good following then that's great but trying to think about what that audience is really going to respond well to how much of it should be focused on on sales related messages if there's campaigns or offers or how much of it is about inspiring them through might be unique design or trends or insights or talking about you know, what's going on in the company and kind of how how human you come across as well. So what people tend to fall in the trap of is putting out the same old type of content and just recycling it. So it's not very fresh, it's not very inspiring or engaging. And it's also very, what we call like, you're kind of shouting at people online uh, on social media if you're not interacting with other people's comments as well. So also, so there's so many different ways to utilize social media through obviously your own posts, but actually commenting, liking, sharing, really partnering up potentially with other people that you know to um, utilize each other's audiences. There's the advertising aspect, which is huge as well. And it's if you don't have much of a following, I'd kind of recommend that you don't spend a, a huge amount of time just posting out to a very small audience versus putting some investment in and using advertising to kind of you know, grow your audience and following them and actually have a more meaningful opportunity going forward so we've put lots of good advertising campaigns in place on facebook and instagram to combat that scenario really but it does help uh, it's really made a big impact in, in bringing leads through uh, to companies very quickly and what's great about those four small independent local businesses is that they can be very very targeted to very specific geography and very specific services yeah. can't they so you can really profile very highly so on location which is, is key for lots of well, every local business really is making sure that their uh, investment really is, is going far. You Lots of different ways to actually buy clicks and, and traffic essentially. So you can be very well drilled with it. You The great thing with digital is that you can track it and measure it. So you can actually see, well, how much you know traffic is coming from bought uh, ads through Instagram, for example, and how many leads do I get? And you know, if you're tracking it really carefully, you can see obviously where your sales are coming from ultimately. I mean, that's the key for everyone some lead sources are good at, at driving interest but they fail to kind of convert for whatever reason and it's just you know the more that you're in in touch with the numbers and um, for this activity the better one of the things that you, you said there and I, and I think it's absolutely true that maybe most people don't get about their business social media is how human it needs to be yeah you know, how, how much personality there has to be in it i think there tends to be come and see our great kitchens kind of thing but they don't really touch with the actual individuals that you might meet in that showroom or that you might ha have an interaction with and a lot of this business is of course building relationships with customers and clients because it's a bit, obviously a very long drawn out big ticket purchase yeah, yeah. how personal should people get well i mean i'll give you an example anthony mullen furniture so they're a bespoke kitchen designer and, and manufacturer and they we've worked with them for years and We've gone down the route of kind of creating the nice videos for present, sort of presenting the company and the offering in the past, which has been good to have that up on stage for now. But what um, one of their directors, Tony Mullen, has actually done is, is get himself on camera and actually talking to uh, their audience. And he's been talking about design uh, trends and, and tips and things. And they've launched a nice giveaway for like the NHS where they're giving away some Waitrose vouchers. But it's all been very personable. Tony's really sort of stepped up. So using video to get that personality across. And I think that that's a, a great example where you can actually see one of the leaders of the business that you're potentially going to talk to. And that's been really good for driving a bit more in, interest and engagement and 
and credibility and everything that goes with it, that, you know, all those kind of buzzwords that influence us in, the, in our buying process. The nice thing about the last couple of months, everybody's a bit more realistic about seeing video content, for example, it's a little bit more homemade. So it doesn't have to be a Hollywood production. It just needs to be authentic, you know, interesting, insightful, uh, and get the message across. And it, and it stands out a mile. And we've got a few clients that have taken that lead as well, that you know, Option Bath and Tile Studio in Ascot have done a similar sort of approach and they're talking about different items in their showroom. And it's just great. And it's more about getting over the confidence barrier. But when you do, like you say, it's that one-to-many conversation that you're having you know, through social media and it's very powerful. Well, it's the word social, isn't it? It's, it's sticking yeah. to the social bit of social media. I think one of the other things that's come up, and you talked about it earlier, is how many people have finally got round, or this has forced them to suddenly get round to sorting their website out. Now, yeah. in 2020, you'd think this wouldn't be as big a thing as it is, or oh, I really need to get my website sorted past 1998. <laughs> but an awful lot of retailers in this market see the website as a bit of backseat to, like you say, face-to-face recommendations, that kind of thing. What is the key objective of a good site in this market, do you think? Because it's obviously not selling direct. You're not getting people to sell things on on your website. So what is the, the key objective of it that people should really focus on when they're trying to start it up again? It's a great question. And I think it is one that a lot of business owners don't really ask what, what their expectations are of a website you know when we first start talking about a project the first question we do ask is what what do you want this to do for the business and i always say to people when you're thinking about investing in in your website and it should be an investment you know website should be your best paid employee in the sense of it's you know who imagine being able to hire someone that could take care of your marketing your sales your customer service you know your recruitment potentially all these different areas that a good website can help facilitate and yet a lot of businesses just fail to kind of realise that opportunity and, and invest in it in the right way because it should really be driving at least conversations. And that's the big thing that we stress to, to clients, that it's really opening the doors. So what can you have on the website that's going to get, encourage someone to enter some details? It might be live chat. It might be downloading a brochure that they've filled in a form for. could be booking an appointment. We've put a lot of those systems in place recently where people can actually book a direct appointment to speak to a designer and have that initial consultation. Just inviting contact and clear telephone numbers and everything else. It's it's the old rule of sales, isn't it? Like ask for the sale. And, and so many websites are out there where they just talk and they show some things, but there's no real like finish to that page. It's not really saying... You know, to find out more, get in touch, to speak to a designer and create your dream home or room, you know, get in touch, book an appointment, download a brochure for inspiration. It's, so that for us is is the key driver really of saying what can we put in place online that reflects your business in exactly like the right ways, you know, in terms of your language, your approach, your your talents really, you know, so showcasing your best work, all those sorts of things that are inviting and then using a bit more of a campaign mentality to say, well, what can we actually do that might influence someone from just visiting a website and saying, yeah, there's some nice kitchens to actually filling in a form or booking a consultation. And it's that little nudge, that little driver. So, so offers with end dates or limited number of maybe like vouchers available, certain things that are just driving a bit more urgency that makes someone go, okay, I'm kind of half interested, but actually now I'm going to fill in the form because I don't want to miss out on this, whether I actually use the offer or not. You know, I just don't want to miss the opportunity of having a, whether it's a discount or something extra, whatever it might be. So that's the key for us. It's always that kind of commercial edge, really, of just saying this website, you know, should be a big driver for the success of the business. And, and that's what we've seen. You know, we've had companies almost busier than ever over the last couple of months rather than completely shutting up shop because they've been switched on for years 
and they're standing out a mile. And there's an element, I guess, of following the numbers as well, isn't there? Actually going in and seeing what people are looking at and following the eyeballs, if they're looking at one thing more than another, to put more of that stuff, make more of that stuff available. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you can spot trends. We've got lots of tools that show us what people are actually looking for, like in Google, for example. We see, again, tracking numbers, but going back to social media, you can see which posts you put out that seem to get a good, good response. Um, and just trends in general, but also in tailoring content, so especially around the website. But if white kitchens are you know, a big thing in your area, it's kind of like making sure you've got a whole page or section on that so that Google also knows that you know, anyone looking for that online should be pushed through to your website. And it's amazing, again, how, how light, how sort of, um, vague some websites are. And, and we find that obviously the more content that gets added and added on a regular basis, Google likes to see websites of substance that grow and continue to evolve but around a theme of keywords to give you know give them more credibility and, and credibility via google means traffic and you know should mean leads and sales so it's all that yeah exactly that in mind so kind of knowing your audience knowing what you want and also give a quick example so when we started working with uh, Anthony Mann Furniture about eight, nine years ago now. They had lots of great photos of all of their work across the website and there was lots of different size kitchens. So it's all bespoke so they can literally you know, make everything that they need to, to measure. There was small, medium, large size kitchens. And, and I, one of my first questions was, do you like selling small kitchens? And they said, well, we'd rather sell big kitchens. So what we did was just a kind of careful, methodical approach of taking out the smaller kitchens and focusing much more on the medium and larger size kitchens. There was a bit of a reservation of, well, have we got enough big kitchens to stand out? And it was a case of, well, like that law of attraction where you put out what you want to get back and it's, so we focus much more on the, the larger size kitchen. And now you see all the pictures coming through of their work and they're all great size kitchens with you know, sort of islands with lots of space around them. And they really stood out in that area. They, you know, they knew they had the ability to, to deliver in that area. They knew there was good, yeah, really good feedback from customers when they, they had the opportunity to work on those projects. And it was just a case of showcasing that and then going and finding the audience and, and getting in front of them and pulling them through. And lo and behold, like over time, obviously their, their average project size has gone up considerably and puts the business in a different space, really. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, well, we've just redone our website or our website's just been rebuilt. Like it's a static thing that is now fine for a while. Yeah, yeah. When actually what you're talking about here, and very rightly so, is that it's, it's a constant, ever-moving, ever-shifting device that should almost be uh, examined on a, a planned daily, monthly, weekly basis that follows what people are actually looking at and what, what you are currently up to. We always say when we launch a new website, it's, it should be the start of our relationship with that client, not the end of it, as in, yeah, we've, okay, we've delivered a you know, good-sized project, but the exciting bit is now getting it out there to market. How do we get more traffic to it? How do we you know, assess each page and an area to make sure that it's producing leads? Because like you say, it needs to be updated. Yeah, it should be updated regularly. The business is always going to be sort of changing and, and doing new things on a regular basis. The website should reflect that. Uh, and if people are coming through, wherever they're coming through from, if it's you know, kind of editorials or advertising in your magazines if it's uh, just things that people talk about online however they're finding that website they want to get there and just feel like they're kind of uh, they've arrived at a company that's up to date and current and fresh and there's a lot to be said for that which is interesting isn't it because that's exactly how most retailers would approach their showroom they walk in there every day they make sure it's all tidy and clean and up to date they will change the propping seasonally constantly be evaluating which displays are working and which aren't yeah. uh, which you know which displays gain the most interest and which don't 
And actually, what you're saying is your your website should be no different to that. Absolutely, yeah. It blows my mind what people spend on rent and rates and don't on their website. It's yeah. that website that could be in front of so many more people on a daily basis than will ever walk through the door of your showroom. And if it is, then you will get more people walking through the door of your showroom. And it's certain people where if they if they're not kind of living and breathing online, you know, on a daily basis, it can be complacency or it can be a bit of fear as well so i do get that you know people hear horror stories of spending lots of money and they're not really necessarily being any better off but that's where the, the marketing mix comes into its own really like a website is part of an online marketing strategy it's not just we will spend a lot of money on a website and everything will be great it's you know it needs traffic it needs uh relevant updates in the same way as if you're spending a lot of money on advertising and you've got a bad website it's, you know, it's equally, it's probably not going to bring any results in for you. So it's it's that balancing act to making sure everything is working well. So are we saying here, Chris, that you know there's been a huge evolutionary leap forward here and now all marketing is digital and that's that? What I seem to be referring to more and more at the moment is that digital gives us new, new channels that you kind of go back to the foundations of marketing and the principles of really what it takes to achieve good growth. But it's not all about online. I mean, you sort of see it better than anybody else, but so we still include offline activities if you, you know, like want to um, give them a label in that sense, but of advertising, of PR, um, so the editorial sort of approach for credibility and getting in front of your audience, really. So the biggest thing for me is about your target audience. So what are they reading or watching or visiting or seeing who are they talk to on a regular basis and how do we get in front of them? And I think what your brand wants to stand for, like where, where we get features for clients in um, publications, for example, it's, we refer to it online, so we get the best of both worlds because it's, it's a great reference point, quite a nice visual usually to see an offline publication, yeah, albeit that you're seeing it perhaps on, online. And equally, going back to like why websites are so important, if you've got a great advert in a magazine and you know, people go straight on the website, it's got to make that right impression. For us, it's always that 360 degree approach, looking all around us and just think, you know, on the client's behalf, all around them, and their target audience to see what's what's going to inspire them. The way I always describe it to people is that if you're featured in a magazine, you would tweet about it, but you wouldn't go in a magazine to tell people you've been tweeted about. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we could talk about this all day, Chris, quite frankly, yeah. and we've got to get the most important question done, Chris, because people have now waited 20 minutes for you to, to get to this point, because it's all they care about now. It's the only reason they listen to this podcast now, quite frankly. <laughs> Chris, what is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? What is your most favourite get-up-and-dance-at-a-wedding-type song that makes you feel good? What is your answer? <laughs> well, right now it's um, Moving to New York by the Wombats, which probably will be an interesting one for a lot of people to, uh, to appreciate. Well, you know what, Chris? It doesn't happen very often, but I don't know that song at all, which is good because I like fi- no, I like finding new things. I like to, I, I, Some people put a couple of quite obscure ones in there that I don't know, and that's great because I can go and look them up there and find them out for myself. Chris, thank you very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Andy. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Thank you. Right, launching new products and ranges at this time is a really interesting move. So let's talk now to someone doing just that. Say hello to Bodhi Keelate from Euromobile. Bodhi, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Andrew. You've been in the industry a very long time. Lots of people know you. But for those that aren't necessarily familiar with the company and who you represent, can you just give us the overview of it and who you are, what you do with that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We are the UK management company representing German furniture manufacturers in, in essence, Dormer Cushion, who also produce Goliath Bot Kitchens. And we also represent Cooper's Bush German Premium Appliances. 
you've been around a very long time. Give us an idea of the, the length of time that you've been operating here. I'm going to say I started when I was 12, 33 yeah. years in the business. <laughs> wow. How many outlets do you supply to? We're currently working after the UK and Ireland with approximately 80, 83 studios. Yeah, and they're all classic independent retail, aren't they? Yes, they are in the main uh, independent kitchen specialists, yeah. Give us an idea of where your brands currently stand in terms of supply manufacturing status. Is everything back to normal? Fortunately, the Stormer factories, uh, two factories in northern Australia, both of them remained open, producing right the way through. No blips. We didn't have any cases at all of any of the uh, employees, the colleagues, falling foul of the virus or having to isolate. Very, very lucky indeed. Just for your benefit, Stormer is a small company, turnover around 50 million euros, employing just short of 180 people. And similar with Cooper's Bush, again, around a 50 million euro company. The production side of Cooper's Bush, the Spanish production side, did close. They had to close because of government restrictions. But thankfully, we had decent stocks in Central Warehouse. Right, OK. So what's your current view of the market as it is today? What's your gut feeling about what's actually happening right now? Right now, we're, we're, we're in a little bit of a bubble. Uh, we're in a bubble that studios have managed to come back with a, a really good, fresh approach. There's been some excellent sales recorded with uh, key studios. In the main, most of them are pretty positive. There's a very, very positive mood. We did have quite a few of the studios try and work remotely from home. Through the shutdowns, thankfully, we were in the middle of some key projects and delivering the projects. So England-based projects, we were able to continue the deliveries and the supply. Obviously, Scotland were far stricter where they weren't allowing any sites. That resulted in quite a lot of kitchens being held in storage for the Scottish partners. In terms of your own confidence for what's actually happening right now, you, you sound pretty upbeat about it. We, we had that dip. We had the first two, three weeks of shutdown was the honeymoon period where everybody, the weather was fantastic and, and everybody sort of locked the shops, went home stayed in the gardens, barbecued, built little beer bars, uh, converted the sheds. Into week three, they started to get a little bit fed up with it. And we noticed that blip and change. And then it just gradually got a little busier and a little busier and more and more active up until four or five weeks ago, where it really took off, got back to some form of normality. So now we've had a positive outcome of it, although a very uncertain time without a doubt in the middle, like I'm sure everybody did. But what you are doing, though, is you're continuing getting into the market and getting the market moving. And the Villaroy & Bot kitchens that you, as you rightly say, you're involved with, you're finally bringing those new ranges. They're finally coming out and going out to the market, aren't they? They are, Andrew. Yes, absolutely. We actually have ended up having to do a soft launch because of COVID-19. The global grand launch was scheduled for Shanghai on the 28th of March. But of course, we all know what happened in China ahead of everywhere else. So that was knocked on the head. And then obviously Milan was cancelled. So we've ended up doing this very soft launch and we haven't been able to address to the masses exactly what we're doing. But the word of mouth in this industry is something else. And we have been amazed and very, very pleased with people contacting us, asking for the Villain Box product. For a salesperson having to go out there and sell your wares, it's always been a case of us knocking on the retailer and the specialist store. And, and to have it the other way around has certainly been refreshing. Well, it's a very, very strong brand, isn't it, Villeroy & Bock? But it's not one that you would necessarily associate with kitchen furniture, though. 
Absolutely correct. We were fortunate to secure the licenses for production, global rights for sales and, and manufacture after two years of, I think Christoph Huger, the owner of Stormer, referred to it as two years of interrogation and biopsy. They wanted to know absolutely everything before they allowed their name to go uh, and their brand and, and everything they worked for since uh, 1748, which was when they were established. So we were, we were, and we are in all, we're absolutely over there. We're very much benefiting from the successes that they've had right the way through from the ceramic tiles, the sinks, the bathrooms, and, and that reputation that they've created. There's a school of thought, though, isn't there, I guess, that this might not necessarily be the right time to start launching new products. Yeah, sometimes you find yourself in a situation that you never expected. They always say the best time to invest is in a crisis because uh, it it can't get any worse. Hopefully it can only get better. If I was to tell you that during the the lockdown, we've actually opened and secured three studio licenses. That's from uh, discussions, license agreements, studio designs, displays, etc. And the order's been placed with the factory. And all three of those studios initially were, oh, let's wait, let's see what's happening, to within a couple of weeks of, you know what, let's just crack on with it. Let's take the opportunity whilst things are quieter and the showrooms are closed to reevaluate what we are as a business and where we want to go. Totally independent, three three particular showrooms made, made the same comments and made the same decisions and that again was quite refreshing isn't it interesting that the only thing we we can compare this period to is what happened around 2008 when all the banks crashed and there was a big big recession then one of the differences i've noticed is people are so desperate for things to get back to normal that they're almost making themselves be positive about what's going on and to try and carry on as, as much as normal as possible I would agree. I think it's been endorsed because we're particularly aiming ourselves, and it's one of the things that that Stormer, we recognise as a German kitchen manufacturer. We are a smaller manufacturer, so there's no point in us going to market and saying that we've got the best priced high gloss white or matte white door. We have to have certain USPs. We have to be different. And what's been very encouraging is the studios have reported that the consumers that they've been working with that have then come back by appointment and been given almost like a VIP treatment behind closed doors in the studios have made a quicker decision rather than going away thinking about it and making another appointment through an open door policy. The order values coming through since lockdown have equally been very encouraging. And, and, and it's a combination of working at the right level of the market where you've got some element of security with the clients that you're working with, the, the fact that they haven't gone on the holidays, so the holiday money's going towards the kitchen, or they've been stuck at home and realised, you know what, we actually need to get this refurbishment organised because now we've been here for three months. We can see all the pitfalls of what we're doing. Appliances, we've seen a, an increase in the sales of appliances and the demand for quality appliances. People have been stuck at home and working with an oven that isn't effective or a fridge that is food not lasting more than three or four days. So we've seen sales increase of like the Oco fresh fridges where the longevity of fresh foods have increased by three to four times. And I've personally had conversations with with end consumers and it's not about the lowest price. It's about a better quality. 
one of the other things about uh, launching anything at this time is the German kitchen market in this country is really, really competitive. I mean, there are you know a dozen brands and names that dominate here. Can you see any kind of consolidation or rationalisation of that market as we as we go forward? Do you think, Andrew? I've said for the last couple of years there is a big overcapacity within the mainstream German market. And we've got the big players, the big boys, all fighting over the same territory. We've got uh, companies like Mobilia, who, you know, number one with the new factory, double the, ultimately when it finally opens on the French-German border, where they will double their production capacity. And we've seen the uh, expansion into the UK market, where they have come up and up in terms of the, the level and the client they're targeting, which is hitting to the the middle market definitely more. That is one of the key reasons why it was so important for ourselves to have something like Villa and Bock, because what we've seen is we've seen a massive increase in the number of kitchen showrooms, but what we haven't seen is an increase in the number of kitchen specialists. And I mean that in the nicest possible way, that we found some studios that try to become all things to all people. And what it ultimately does, it confuses the consumer so the discussions we've had with key studios who are saying, well, I want to get out of this sort of rat race of so many German manufacturers. And we've offered them an identity. And that identity is also a benefit to the consumer, very much in the same way as we look at car showrooms. And we often refer to the cars, car showrooms and cars as a comparison. But it's because it's a line, a similar line of identification. And the certain people we have to accept in the market are not our clients and others that most definitely are our clients and the kitchen studios need to do the same. There's been a lot of introspection, I think, as this lockdown's gone on of people really examining, as you say, who they are, what they do best and how they can focus the USPs that they have on their target market. So, I mean, as you say, you've been in this market 33 years, okay, man and boy. Again, it's so up in the air, this, isn't it? And I know that we won't hold you to any of this, I promise. But what's your projections for what happens in the next three, six, 12 months and beyond? How do you see this all playing out? I, I fear that we are going to see some studios closing. Some studios will not survive, despite the excellent support we've had from governments in lots of respects, business loans, furloughing, local authority support. I, I still fear that some of the studios will go. We, we will see some some being lost. Maybe some will take the opportunity of using COVID-19 as an excuse to reorganise their businesses because, again, we, we see a complete mixed bag of people in the market selling kitchens, some that shouldn't be. And I think what we're going to see is ultimately a strengthening of the, of the situation. What is so, so important to the retailers out there is, is to create their own identity, realise what they want to do and where they want to be and don't be sheep don't follow something because everyone else is following it i always try to look at one a comment from stephen gerrard always sticks in my mind and he made a comment about nine out of ten people would have done something different but i'm the one and he made that where people say why did he save liverpool for virtually the whole of his career and, and that's what you have to be is, is you do things for your own reasons not because others think or expect or want you to do you do what is right for you and the changes we're going to see is we've, we've got to see a strengthening of the cooperation between the supplier and the retailer and we can only do that 
where we are not sharing the showroom with four or five other manufacturers because the studios then totally dilute what they're doing. So we've got to strengthen those relationships where currently I have several showrooms out there who are actually not important to any of their suppliers because they've totally diluted their businesses. So it's an important time and an opportunity for studios to look at that to, to help strengthen their own positions long term. I think that's very, very important. This year regarding targets, forget it, all, all targets, projections, they're all out the window. And any manufacturer that's coming back to you saying, oh, you know, you're off target, you need to be target. They're probably not your right partner. So get through the crisis, get through the rest of the year. We still have to run a tight ship. Unfortunately, we've seen some very, very good people of the industry being laid off. And I support what you're doing there, Andrew, with the KBB review and helping to get those people identified back into the market. And 2021, hopefully we get the antivirus because COVID-19 is something that is not just going to disappear. And, and I think it will change the way in which a lot of us run our showrooms. Maybe it will give us the opportunity to embrace by appointment because that is certainly working. The consumers are, from what we're seeing, the consumers that are coming in by appointment and have got the exclusivity of that showroom and the designer to themselves are showing their appreciation by placing order. Well, look, Bodie, won't surprise you to learn that, as far as I'm concerned, Stephen Gerrard is the greatest living Englishman. <laughs> and I think I think we should just follow Steve. If you can understand what he's saying, yeah. I think everybody should just follow everything that Stephen Gerrard says. You might say it in a really incomprehensible Scouse way. You know, you just got to run your business the way you think you should run your business. You know, that kind of thing. But, but as far as I'm concerned, you said the magic words there, so I'm in. I'm in on that. Good. I didn't now, know that, but I'm glad I chose the right footballer. Particularly at the moment, absolutely perfect. We have to conclude this, of course, with our own little uh, championship here. We have to ask the question that everybody's waiting for the answer to. So what is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? <laughs> I've got to say, it's a song from the Noisettes, Never Forget You. Wow, I do not know that one at all. <laughs> Look it up. It's a very, very good song to actually, it's got a lovely beat and it's a nice one to have a nice glass of malt. Perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and listen to that now because I like when people surprise me with songs I don't know. Bodhi, thanks for your time. No, thank you. Um, thank you for your insights as always and we'll catch up again soon. Lovely speaking to you, Andrew. All the best. Cheers, Bodhi. Bye now. Yes, bye. A huge thanks to Chris and Bodie, who both caught me off guard today with songs I didn't know. Remember when it was all Don't Stop Me Now, Mr Blue Sky? Those are the days. All the links to their companies are in the episode description and links to those songs if you want to listen to them. And I'll see all of you from all around the world in the next episode.